Welcome, everyone, to Welcome, Welcome Mind Over Matter, a teen's guide to managing anxiety and panic attacks. This is still we're still in chapter one. Uh, we are session three, so we've covered a lot of ground. And we've done a lot of talking. We've done a lot of talking, a lot of interesting chats, a lot of fascinating information as we dive in through this book. So today, I think we're at the future and marketing important decision. No, making important decision. Making. Yeah, making. Such as choosing a career or college. Is that where is that's where we are? That is exactly where we're at, yes. Cool. So we're on page 34, following along with the book. So we're going to dive straight back in here, guys. We are at the future and making important decisions such as choosing a career or college. Having to step up and make big decisions about their own future can be a daunting task for youngsters. The pressure to choose a career or college that could potentially determine the path for the rest of their life can cause a ton of stress and anxiety. Additionally, the fear of making the wrong decision or not reaching their full potential can add to their stress. The pressure to choose a practical career and the dread of not being able to secure a job in their chosen field can make a decision for a specific career path quite challenging. Similarly, choosing a college isn't a walk in the park for many either. Teens can feel overwhelmed by the vast number of options and fret over making the wrong choice. Additionally, the financial strain of paying for college can also add to the anxiety. And on this note, I'm going to come straight in with some with a point here off yeah. the get-go because for me personally, like this was a really big thing in in my world when I was this age when I was looking to go to university at the time. So I was finishing up school and everybody was talking about what they wanted to do and how they were going to do this course and that course and it stressed me out beyond belief because I had literally no idea what I wanted to do. All I knew is that I wanted to just try something and and give it a go and not necessarily want to commit to going to college or university and doing that next step in education and so for me this was a period of time it was i think the only time i guess fortunately for me but the only time on my hand i can count like where i've had a sleepless night and i remember the night and it was when i had to make a decision on whether i was going down that path or not and i had no idea and it was really Stress. really stressful so and in the end, I didn't end up going to university, and I'm really glad I didn't. I did the University of Life, which was also, just as insightful. Also valuable. So what yeah, what but, made you choose? Like, what helped you choose? Um, I think at the time, what it was, it was just that the school that I was at, so it, they were very, like, um, numbers-orientated. They wanted people to get good results for the school. So I remember sitting there thinking... I know that I'm doing this because somebody else wants me to do it. Yeah. I'm not doing it for me. Yeah. So like before I could make a decision on that, I needed to know what was going to be the right decision for me. Once I figured that out and realized that I wasn't sure and that that is okay to not know, mm -hmm. then I was able to go, I'm not going to do that right now, but I can revisit that in the future if I want to, because that's the other thing is it's like a lot of this stuff seems final and it's not always final. You can always, go so, back or do something else or whatever so you know? so basically you were able to step back like step yeah. back listen to yourself and like i am i doing this for me am i doing this for the, some statistic from this yeah. thing that doesn't really help me like it's not serving me it's serving them exactly yeah i think once you're able to kind of take the like what's the expression of that ten thousand foot view mm -hmm. um you know to take a step back and look at everything and you can think okay so I'm making this decision, what are the key influencing factors? Or well, for me personally at the time, the key influencing factor towards going towards university was because the school that I was at wanted those results and that was their process that I was following. Whereas I wasn't following my own process. I wasn't, I didn't know what I wanted to do. So why was I gonna to commit to something that I wasn't sure on? 
and that's ultimately what it came down to. It was very stressful and it was really upsetting at the time and it was quite difficult given that the environment I was in was surrounded by other people all going down the one room um, yeah. and doing that thing. Even so, like, in my, in my opinion, schools are there to serve. Like, yes. it's not about them getting numbers, it's about them serving the kids going through them and helping them make their decisions. That's my mm-hmm. personal opinion, not that that is the actual way it works. Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. And I also, like, just feel that it is it is a lot of pressure and a lot of decision-making on somebody who's at a point in life where you are not meant to know. Like, it's like, I think we touched on this last week when we were talking about, you know, how are you meant to know what you want to be when you grow older? Yeah. You know, you might want to know that you want to have a family and feel loved, but you, like, how, are you, how do you know if you're going to be an astronaut or a postman or whatever it is that you want to be at that time? Like... You're just not meant to know until you've tried things. So yeah, and you yeah. like you haven't got a at, at that age you haven't got a vast experience like array of experiences. Mm. Go oh I did this and I really liked. I mean maybe maybe you were like you know you you've been writing and you're like I want to be a writer. Like that's a clear distinction. You enjoy that or I'm good at good at a particular sport. I want to play tennis and I want to go great. Then go down there. Yeah, you know. But some people. But don't I think know. like. If you if if you know, then that's great. If you've got something that you're sure on and you know the path, then that's awesome. But I think the anxiety of the situation comes from not knowing. Yes. And I think a lot of the expectation is that you should know when actually, like I say, it's okay not to know. Like you don't need to know, you know? Let's continue. So it's a good thing for teens to remember that it's okay to take their time and explore their options and that their decisions now don't have to be set in stone. This is literally exactly what we were just saying. Yes. They can always make changes and try new things in the future. Seeking guidance from trusted adults and exploring different resources can also help to make these important decisions. It is crucial for parents, teachers, and mental health professionals to provide support and guidance during this challenging time. Encouraging teenagers to explore their interests and helping them to develop decision-making skills can be really helpful in reducing anxiety and building confidence. By providing a safe and supportive environment, Adults can help teens navigate the challenges of choosing a career and college, reducing tension, and building a foundation for future happiness and success. I agree with all that. We basically just encapsulated that in what we discussed, really. Um, But I think what's important there is that the people you're surrounding yourself with should understand that. They should be mindful and already aware of that, that, you know, it's, it's okay not to necessarily know and that you can change in the future and that the decision that you make doesn't necessarily have a bearing on the final end result. It's just a thing that you you make a choice on there and then. Yeah, you know? and, and ideally, yes, but there are a lot of cases where parents are overbearing and they're like, mm. you must do this thing. So if that's the case, see if you can find someone who can help you talk to your parents. Because that's, I think, about like these days, it's like parents want this, kids want that. Like they want to go and follow their own we're more expressive now than we were you know 50 years ago or whatever like yeah we've changed like it's more do change your careers do learn a lot try different things whereas before if you're if your dad was a painter you became a painter and so on yeah. and so forth like i watched um something yesterday and she's and it's like about this guy who was a in a town he was a steel mill and his father was a steel mill worker and his father's father was a like if, and but that's all they had in the town. Yeah. 
It so, was, that's that what happened in history, wasn't it? Yep. It's like cavemen, you all ended up hunting. Yeah, exactly. We're no longer in that. There is so much variety, so much choice, and the jobs that are available in the future, we don't know yet. Yeah, I agree. So how can you pick the career that you want if, you, if it doesn't actually exist? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's such a good point. <laughs> that's cool. All right, let's continue. Yeah, let's continue. So, emergencies around the clock, a world that feels scary and threatening. Alarmingly, we've seen a massive increase in school shootings with resultant drills and lockdowns in schools. We have also had to witness terrifying shootings in public places. And on top of that, there have been terrorist attacks here in the US and worldwide, taking many lives. From just watching or reading the news, it is entirely understandable for anyone to feel afraid in public spaces that previously would have felt safe. Hearing about terrorist attacks and academy blow-ups can be distressing, especially for our age groups who may experience various feelings in response to the news. These events can easily disrupt a teenager's sense of security and safety, leading to emotional reactions such as anxiety, fear, and sadness. Sure. One reason why teenagers may be particularly affected by hearing about terrorist attacks and academy blow-ups is that they may have a more challenging time processing and understanding the events. Teenagers are still developing their cognitive and emotional capacities and may struggle to make sense of complex or traumatic events. In addition, teenagers may feel a sense of incompetence or helplessness when they hear about these types of events, especially if they feel that there's nothing they can do to remedy them, which is not true. There is plenty one can do, which we will get into later in this book. For sure. This felt helplessness, though, can lead to high rates of anxiety and fear and a heavy sense of bleakness. James, are you going to say something then? No, no. Keep going. No, okay. What I was going to say on that is it is it, these events that you hear about. I don't know if... I, I just had a memory then from when I was younger um, of when the 9-11 bombings happened. That's what just came to mind. Like, I remember where I was when that happened. Yep. <laughs> I think everybody has that, right? Everybody has that. And at the time, for me, like, I was... I can't remember how old I was, quite quite young didn't really understand what was necessarily going on but i walked in and my dad was watching the news on, on the television and i saw these planes crash into the towers and you just i remember being absolutely horrified and at the time my mum was away on a business trip and i just broke down in floods of tears saying like oh my god why has mum's plane crashed into a building i assumed it was like you know something to do with my mom but you know when, when you're that young mm -hmm. the, the world kind of is smaller right mm -hmm. everything's about you <laughs> sure. um, so yeah those events have a massive sort of impact on on um everyone actually not necessarily just young people but everybody no, every, everyone think, definitely like and all the stories you hear afterwards and all the traumatic things and and that come out of such a thing for example Tony Robbins, he had an event, and in that event, he had like people from all different cultures. Like, so you know, the terrorists, like that culture, like they weren't terrorists, but whatever the Islamic or whatever they were in this room, and they were doing a business meeting. And he brought everyone on stage, and basically, <clears throat> at the start, they were attacking each other and like, oh, oh, I hate you, hate you, blah, blah. And then at the end of it, everyone was like actually united and come together from like transformed yeah so, that's really cool from basically having conversations and changing perspectives so mm. interesting um just what he talked about but also they did studies um with like your past memories and so other people who remember the 9 11 
thought they were somewhere else so your memory isn't perfect so for example yeah. one person thought she was sitting there at the computer watching it and mm-hmm. in, in this particular spot and she wasn't her mind made up these other bits yeah so it's like we can't always believe the whole like the memory the whole memory like part yeah. of it our mind kind of fills in bit different pieces for whatever reason yeah so you can believe an aspect but don't take all of it as truth and this also with trauma and anxiety and all these things, this is why you can also change it because something bad may happen. And as you get older, you have a different awareness and you can look back at something and you can change your perspective of what happened, which then helps you yeah. in this moment. Yeah, that's such a good point. And I think as well, like that whole memory association thing is so interesting because like you can have the one thing triggering that emotion that feels so raw and fresh, but then everything else around that is actually just your maybe your reaction to the situation or like you said remembering incorrectly and so it becomes this thing that it's not um so that's when i think therapy is really helpful with those things especially with traumatic events because they help you to understand where the emotions are coming from and if you can understand that then it helps you to resolve the feelings rather than creating all the drama you know which isn't purposeful it's better to like and this is where also like the old society is like you hide your emotion and you you suffocate it basically and you don't deal yeah. with it which then leads to f- future problems instead now nowadays the you know holistic approach or whatever is more to understand what is that emotion trying to tell you and work exactly. with it and find someone who can help you work with it so you can process it basically yeah i feel you hit the nail on the head with that um but i i think it's really important for people to to go through those the stages of that and like understand it more because once you understand it you're able to kind of realize that you know perhaps it's not as bad as it was you know yeah go through it like that and we that's like we we don't like going through things like it's it's easier to go on social media or take next Mm. chapter substance abuse to to kind of cover up that emotion exactly rather than go through but going through it's how we grow almost yeah yeah like lean into it and grow with it it's teaching us stuff yeah let's move on so being confronted with the reality of terrorist attacks and academy blobs can spark feelings of grief and loss particularly if the teenager in question knows someone directly affected by the event the news can also serve as a reminder of the fragility of life which can be challenging for teenagers to deal with it is essential to become aware of the impact that hearing about terrorist attacks and academy blobs can have on young people and to give them support and to help manage their feelings Practical measures include, amongst others, comforting the respective teenager, attending support groups together, and helping teenagers rekindle their passions to move forward in a positive and life-affirming way. Kind of encapsulating and wrapping up everything that we just mentioned there. Substance abuse or exposure to substance abuse in others. Substance abuse or exposure to substance abuse in others can be a significant and detrimental trigger for anxiety. Substance abuse can disrupt the sense of stability and control that is essential for mental well-being, leading to hugely increased stress. Teenagers who abuse substances may experience physical and psychological changes that can, frankly speaking, freak them out. Substance abuse, more often than not, impairs judgment and decision-making, leading to risky behaviour and to different kinds of negative consequences. 
The fear of being caught and the adverse effects that often accompany substance abuse can also be contributing factors to those higher anxiety levels. And that's a really interesting point there because it's not just the thing, it's everything that surrounds it that helps build that kind of crazy feelings of, of anxiety. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's like, yeah, definitely. Like you're taking, essentially, in my opinion, you're taking the substance like to escape from something. And yeah. so you're kind of, have an issue in the first place you're escaping from it temporarily and then you crash and then everything gets worse and then you create a cycle of oh now i need the substance again to keep my high and you keep this like negative spiral yeah exactly that i think and then it's like because the mindset of the cover-up you're not even realizing that you're covering up the the feelings because you've still got the feelings of anxious and nervous but they're they're around the cover-up so everything becomes like a deeper thing Tangle, bingo, bigger tangle of mess. A, a bingle, a bingle, bingle. tangle. <laughs> I love it, but absolutely. Um, exposure to substance abuse in others can also stress teens out. Adolescents may witness the negative consequences of substance abuse their friends or acquaintances face, such as addiction, health problems, and strained relationships. Sorry, strained relationships, not strange relationships. And be really concerned about it. The fear of falling into the same pattern of substance abuse can also be a source of big concerns for teens. On top of it, substance abuse can disrupt the sense of safety and security that is essential for mental well-being. Teenagers may feel may feel overwhelmed by the harmful effects of substance abuse in their community and fear for their own safety. Additionally, the fear of the unknown and the unpredictability of substance abuse can be worrying too. And caring adults really need to step up to the plate here. By providing education and resources, they can help teenagers understand the dangers of substance abuse and reduce the risk of exposure to that substance abuse. By creating a safe and supportive environment, adults can make a big difference in helping teenagers navigate substance abuse challenges and reduce anxiety. Yeah, and that's the thing, like, if your parents substance abusing themselves you're like in a bit of a pickle because chances are they're not creating that supportive environment for you and then you're learning from them and then you're going to go down the same path unless you have someone who can help you know guide you in a different direction or you have the awareness to see like i know that's not i don't want to be like that like that's not Mm -hmm. the path i want for myself and and consciously choosing something else so it can be exactly I think as well, understanding that that influence, that parental influence or significance of witnessing somebody you know do something or say something or be someone actually is one of the most influential things in your life when you are younger and when you are growing up because you want to emulate that. You feel like it's a, you know, that's the normality as it were. So some things can be normalized that perhaps shouldn't be. And I think that's also something that can be um, helped to combat. But like, so for example, smoking, yeah, like mm. people around me smoked and I have never like i just i hated the smell and it's just like didn't make sense to me like stay away like i i don't want that and i didn't want to have that going up and uh you know other people may have gone like especially like when it was a cool trend like i mean mm. and you didn't have the science or the you know the back and like it's it's bad for you yeah then you're more likely to fit in go down the smoking one and it is also kind of i was speaking to a mate who smokes and he's like yeah, it's a social thing as well because you can go out and you're like hey do you it's a opener to meet someone yes else. exactly do you ever smoke can i bang a smoke off you or whatever they say yeah like mm-hmm. you'll get it you're getting that social interaction which encourages the bad habit 
Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. But I think it's that it is that it's interesting that your interpretation of that is taking the things that you didn't like about it and then making sure that wasn't something that you did. Because I think a lot of the time, you know, um, like my grandparents, for example, when they smoked, my, I remember my mum saying that the smell of that was a bit of a comfort. She never smoked, but the smell of it and the, the, the feelings that it would bring back, the memories it would yeah, trigger, the just memories. the smell reminded her of her parents. So it's so interesting that you people, this is like, this is the whole thing about anxiety, right? Perception or interpretation of the thing triggers completely different reactions in different people. So yes. like what you've just said could be something completely different to somebody else, but fascinating. It's so cool to see that and like, see how different and that, people and this is the thing like when we're younger our minds do that subconsciously like mm. they wire that association like smoking good or bad your brain's already wired it and only yeah. when you realize that can you actually try and critique it and change it differently to like absolutely not not follow the good bad feeling whatever it is yeah, yeah fascinating. It's, uh, very very interesting um Cool. Right. So health concerns, either personal or those of a loved one. Health concerns, whether personal or those of a loved one, can be significant sources of anxiety for teenagers. The fear of illness, injury or death can be very distressing. Personal health concerns can also be particularly challenging. Adolescents may worry about developing a severe illness. Additionally, the physical changes and challenges of puberty can add to anxiety. I'm going to quickly mention something here because something that's always bothered me yes. is also what's promoted in the media about illnesses and the awareness of things like cancer. I remember hearing an ad when I was very young. This was my grandpa, my grandfather at the time had lung cancer, <coughs> and there was a statistic that said one in two people, so basically fifty percent of people, will get cancer at some point in their lifetime. And I remember hearing that on the marketing material for whatever it was. I think it was cancer research to obviously generate funds for their, their cause. I'm sure, really important work that they're doing. But that kind of fear-mongering has an impact. And so it's so normal to worry about that sort of thing or see what somebody else's journey has been with an illness and not want that. Um, for me, that was a direct kind of you know comparison to an example there that just suddenly was triggered at me. When I saw that, those statistics, it was like, that's that could be me. I could be part of that. And that, that was a stress factor, you know? So yes. anyway. Just thought I'd mention that. That's like, and that's the other thing. Like, the media isn't there to help or serve us necessarily, or give us the correct information. Their their job and their wages are paid by getting our attention. Exactly. And what gets our attention? Stressful, bad things. Generally, Dramatic. our minds go whoop. Yeah. Yeah. News headlines. Yeah. You know, getting making the story seem like it's something it's not but getting all the people reading Blow, it anyway blowing up the story getting your attention and and then you get they get paid and we get stressed exactly nightmare <laughs> exactly all right let's continue concerns about the health of a loved one can add to the stress mix the thought of losing a parent sibling or a close friend can be very daunting and the fear of the unknown and uncertainty of the situation can be also tricky to deal with Furthermore, health concerns can disrupt the sense of control and stability that is essential for mental well-being. Teenagers may feel overwhelmed by the responsibility of caring for a loved one or managing their own health issues. And it is vital for parents, teachers and mental health professionals to provide support and understanding during those difficult times. Encouraging healthy coping mechanisms such as exercise and mindfulness can help reduce anxiety and promote well-being. By providing a space a safe and supportive environment, adults can help teenagers navigate the challenges of health concerns and reduce that stress. 
Changes in routine, such as a new school or moving to a new home. Changes in routine, such as starting a new school or moving to a new home, can really shake things up for teens. Adolescents rely on routine and stability to feel safe and secure. And significant changes like this one and all the previously mentioned ones can seriously mess with their sense of security. Starting a new school can be particularly daunting. Adolescents may worry about fitting in with their new classmates, making new friends and performing well academically. And another triggering situation can consist of moving to a new home. Adolescents may find it really hard to leave their old home and friends behind, as well as having to adjust to a new community. And changes in routine can also disrupt the sense of control and stability that is essential for their mental well-being. Teenagers may feel overwhelmed by the changes and fear they will be unable to adjust. Have you had to move schools? So I was very fortunate. I went to one school for like the first younger years of my life, and then I went to one school for the later years, and that was it. So I did one school until I couldn't be there any longer, and then the next school until I couldn't be there any longer, and I never really moved other than yeah, that. Convenient. So I don't have much experience in this. What about you? Yeah, so my parents broke up when I was, I don't know, three, one or three or something, and mm-hmm. one moved from one side of Australia to the other. So when I was 15, I left my mum in Melbourne and I moved from there for that school and picked up went to another state and then another school and went from a city to the country and yeah trying to fit yeah trying to fit in and like everything was different and yeah it's definitely it was better it was further better I definitely learnt a lot and grew a lot from the shift but A making that decision super stressful going to a school not knowing anyone super stressful how do you make friends mm-hmm. trying to fit in with who you don't know anyone <laughs> that's a lot isn't it like when yes. you're that young as well to have to adjust what you were otherwise used to it's it's stressful yes um and so for me part of like dealing with that was reading like that was maybe mm-hmm. like reading books and by that time i'd gotten into books so i i was able to read and it was a regular regularity yeah so you could just continue some something uh rather than just like be lost in the in that and also sports definitely helped so play basketball and that helped i don't know make friends as well because you're working in a team and and all this type of stuff so yeah there's there's a few things but yeah definitely um definitely stressful (laughs) Yeah, that's a lot, especially that age. And, you know, similar to what you've said, my wife had the same experience where she, her parents split up and she had to move schools and she was really happy with, with the school she was at and she ended up doing going to two different other ones. And it was like the whole transitionary period was, was a lot. Um, and that's when her anxiety really, really peaked was throughout all of that kind of change and not knowing, you know, what was happening next or who her friends were or where to turn. You know, so it is a hell of a lot. Yeah, I mean... Um, Today, I guess the positive side, like, is you can be connected easier. So if you move, you can still go on, you know, whatever device you want and connect quite easily. Whereas, like, I remember I brought my, like, huge computer and we didn't, it wasn't connected to the internet. I didn't even just play games on it or whatever. But, like, Mm -hmm. the phone calls was expensive and, like, there's... It was a lot harder to connect or stay connected with friends and I had a pen pal or whatever like it's just very different uh to now yeah. where you can just go on facebook type a message or go on wherever send an email like yeah so, so true definitely yeah, we're very fortunate in this day and age in a way yeah and like now like I, I i talk to people in australia like or you know we're not even in the same country like 
Yeah. And we're doing this. So technology has definitely, definitely helped connecting and, and at least having a bit of a support network where you wouldn't otherwise yes. have. Absolutely. We actually, during, um, I didn't, I've never done it, mainly because I didn't really know anybody who was at the school for the reunion side of things, but my school did a reunion during COVID and they did it on Zoom. And I was like, how crazy is this that there are kids and students that we used to have like international students come over from like Hong Kong, um, Japan, like all kind of around the world. And they live out there now after being educated in the UK. And like they're going to be there in a reunion they're all around the world and there's one zoomer and i'm just that blew my mind at the time obviously this is the norm now and everybody gets it and everybody's done it but such a cool concept and like you say it allows that support system to be in place for people that do move now or do have those changes in scenarios so you're right i think that's the good thing about social media that's the that is the whole point of it right the social yes. side of it that's that it's that it supports that um and then there's obviously all the other factors which we've, I think we've already covered those already yes. in terms of comparisons and things like that but yeah pretty interesting mm, for sure environmental factors such as living in a high crime area or experiencing a natural disaster so these are significant sources of anxiety for teenagers examples of this are the constant stress of living in a high crime area or the shock of experiencing a natural disaster these events can disrupt the stability and security essential for mental well-being leading to increased stress and anxiety. Living in a high crime area can be particularly stressful. Adolescents may worry about their personal safety and the safety of their loved ones. Add to it the fear of being a victim of crime and or exposure to crime and violence in the community, and you have an unholy mix that can really bring teens down. And that on that, like, I don't mm-hmm. think I've, like, I don't know, is any community very safe, like the safest thing? It does affect you, like, yeah. the, I mean, there's crime generally in the Western world, like everywhere. It's more what town you live in is how susceptible it is to that crime. But in the last house we were in, um, we had wild boars running around at night time, yeah? And it started off with one and we're like, oh, yeah, it left us alone. And then it was like four. And then they multiplied. And we read. then we read in the news, and this is the news, like a dog died from like attacking the boar like not even it was on the leash and the owner didn't protect it and the boars killed the little like um maltese dog and that's what that's our dog so then every time we're going out for a walk it's stressful because you're like oh shit yeah like are the boars going to be there and are they going to hurt our little dog and literally like they would like um we call them the boy band because they'll just walk down the street like they own the place. That's so funny, but also very scary. Yeah, that was stressful. Like I, yeah. I was, I didn't mind the myself, but it was like the dog. Like, like I didn't want them to hurt the dog. So our walks yeah. then became well. Let's just walk in the grounds of the complex <laughs> until we moved out, basically. That's or walk during the day. Like in the daytime, they weren't around. Mm. But at night time, you didn't know when they were going to jump out of the, out at you. And even if you're just walking oh. past, you'd hear this like weird growling thing. And you're like, oh, God. Yeah. So that's crazy. But that's <laughs> such a great example. <laughs> Bit like a scary movie. You're like just walking around. You never know what's going to jump out at you. The invasion of the ball band. Boy yeah. band. Ball, that, ball boy band. 
Poor boy Ben, yes, exactly. <laughs> I say Matt and Harry. Um, very, very good example there. But yeah, I can't say I've had any experience with that, but I guess depending on where you live in the world, this will be relevant or not, really. Yeah, and, um, and another example, which was actually crime, and the police didn't really do anything. Like, we, we this was sneaky. So in, we lived in Fremantle. I don't know if you know Fremantle. It's in, in Western Australia. It's like a popular touristy place. But anyway, we we're in like this very center and we went away you know, into nature, into camping or whatever for a day. We came back and did the normal thing. And only later did we realize things were missing. So, so someone had jumped through the, we left the, like the window like slightly open. They just jumped through the window and they'd like, taken things but not the obvious things mm. so like my partner she had some like cash like in a drawer stave away and they left the computers but I, they took bits and pieces that we only lo- noticed a day or two later that's so interesting and we're like huh where did that go and then you we called the cops and all the cops dealers like yeah you know, can't do anything um, so they weren't very helpful. Uh, we're like, you know, from the TV, we're like, forensic. I can get the forensics and the fingerprints, and they're like, yeah, nah, it's n- probably not going to catch her. Nothing's going to happen. And so, mm. yeah. But definitely, that's a horrible feeling, though, knowing that somebody's been in your house in a way, yes, being, like in your space, being in your house, and even our next door neighbor, she was there alone, and she was in the shower, and someone just jumped up on the balcony, walked into her house. <laughs> It was oh, like... What would you do? Yeah, it was just like nuts. Like, um, And that was living in the center of like uh, of a town, but the the flats were super old, so they weren't very secure. Mm. Like, they were lovely and had like these high ceilings, and it was, just, it was just not very secure and safe. So that definitely put a bit of anxiety in us as we, as we lived there. Like, we loved living there because you literally like two-minute walk and you've got like the, the markets and the, oh, the shops amazing. and the cinemas and the, you can go out for coffee or dinner like this but yeah, yeah. Like feeling safe when you go home like eh, I don't know yeah that's a, that's a very good point what's the trade-off there I know <laughs> yes. which one I prefer but I get what you're saying <laughs> yeah so if I was to go back I'd be like I want like for example the place we're in now we're not on the ground floor mm, this is yeah. uh, like being on the ground floor in my opinion is like the the least safe because mm-hmm. people can look in and if you don't like here in spain they have bars on the windows everywhere yeah and so it's if there's a fire you're in trouble but at least people can't get in yeah <laughs> i've never even thought about that and the fires actually now you said that because <laughs> no, we lived there for a while and that had never crossed my mind yeah that's the thing like I, like because mm. I, I don't know i read it as an electrician like you know there's fires and stuff and i think i did some fire training or something and like bars stop you from getting out yeah but also i remember when we lived in spain we had blinds on the outside of the windows so like you would pull the blind down at night we were in an apartment probably like eight floors up and the when you put the blind down it would go outside the window and it was metal and it would literally like it would it had these like different slats in it, it was yeah, kind of like a, a st- yeah like and it would stack all the way up until the top and then i remember thinking like god if you needed to get out there in a hurry like you've got to literally <laughs> Don't mind me, the house is burning down. Yeah. And it was heavy because it was old, like you just said, a really old building. So it was like really heavy to pull. But then you're on anyway. the eighth floor. What are you going to do? Jump out? Yeah. And yeah, let's not think about that. That's anxiety inducing. <laughs> yeah, for sure. 
Right, we'll continue. So experiencing a natural disaster can also be a significant source of anxiety for teenagers. Natural disasters can cause physical harm, disrupt routines and damage property. Adolescents may worry about their safety of their loved ones and their own personal safety during and after the disaster. The unpredictability of the situation and the fear of the unknown can also be quite worrisome. Furthermore, environmental factors can also disrupt the sense of control and stability that is essential for mental well-being. Teenagers may feel overwhelmed by the situation and fear they will be unable to adjust. Adults can help by teaching teens about healthy coping mechanisms such as exercise and mindfulness, which can help reduce anxiety and promote well-being. So by pro- there's a yeah. common thread here, exercise and mindfulness, like throughout yeah. the book. Like these are two, two key things to help with anxiety. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. They're mentioned quite a few times. And this is the other thing as well. Like we're, we're a culture of not moving so much. If you think about 100, 200 years ago, whatever, like we moved a lot more. Yeah, that's very true. Like we didn't we go. Put. Yeah, now we sit down. What, what You go, for example, you go to school, you sit, at least at school, like you have breaks and you can like play a bit, I guess. But as soon as you get into, yeah. into work, most jobs, mind you, I was an electrician, so that wasn't me, but... I'd get like 14,000 steps in a day, but most jobs wow. you, you go there and you sit. Yeah, and exactly. Then, and then you get in the car, you, you sit in the car, you drive home, you sit and watch TV, and the average person watches, what, five or so hours of TV a day. Wow, that's so high. Yeah, so we're too still, and that creates anxiety. So it does. If, if you are or anyone is not moving enough, just walking like they say what half an hour a day whatever fitness level you are at just yeah move more where you can that's why for myself i try stand when i'm working um just because then i can you know i can move up, up yeah i'm breathing yeah. more like literally if you stand you're getting more oxygen i think it's like you lose 20 percent capacity when you sit because you're hunched over and you can't breathe in as much so if you stand up you're getting more oxygen what does yeah. it equal more energy yeah, well, and actually, one thing I observed with that last week when we did our book readings, so the first time we did it, um, I was standing up. And then last week, I was sat down whilst I was doing it. I did not feel as engaged and as present as I was yeah. before. And today, I'm back standing up again, and I feel a whole lot better. So I wonder if it's to do with, like, it's not just the posture, but it's also, like, the way your brain engages. If you're up and alert, your body is, like, you know, if you go back to ancient old times, like, you're standing up and you're moving around you're more alert and awake of what's going on whereas when you're sat down not moving you're less so it's also your leg position so if your legs are like you're bent that's Mm. sedative like your body's kind of switching off but if you're standing it's like like you said like Mm. you're more your body's actually it's a trigger for you to be engaged yeah naturally it's really interesting though really interesting but you're right i think exercise is one of the key things and not even just exercise as in i'm gonna run right now it's just like moving and this is like the blue zone people who live in the blue zone they have gardens and Mm -hmm. they're moving like they're moving they're not like sweating and like like not not working out as such they're just doing things just moving not not in a stressful manner just in a calm focused relaxed state as they go in the garden they grow their own plants and that keeps them healthy yeah absolutely so yeah Mindfulness, meditation, exercise, all key aspects. Very key. 
By providing a safe and supportive environment, adults can also help teenagers navigate the challenges of environmental factors and reduce that anxiety. Educating teenagers about emergency preparedness and safety measures can also do its part in reducing stress and promoting well-being. Cultural or societal expectations and the fear of not meeting them. Cultural or societal expectations can be another trigger leading to increased stress. Adolescents may feel pressure to conform to certain norms and expectations, such as those related to academics, social relationships, physical appearance and career aspirations. For example, a teenager may worry about not getting good grades or not being accepted by their peers. They may also feel pressure to conform to specific beauty standards or pursue a certain career path. On top of it, there's the fear of failure or disappointment too. And additionally, cultural and societal expectations can also contribute to a sense of inadequacy and low self-esteem. Teenagers may compare themselves to others and feel that they do not measure up. Parents, teachers and mental health professionals can help to support and empower teenagers by promoting a healthy and positive self-image. Encouraging teenagers to pursue their passions and interests rather than conforming to societal expectations can greatly help reduce anxiety and promote well-being. No, totally. Like if, if yeah. you can live live on your own accord, like not what society mm-hmm. dictates, it's, it's going to help. You're just going to be more relaxed because you're being your authentic self versus trying to be someone you're not. 100%. By providing a safe and supportive environment, adults can help teenagers navigate the challenges of cultural and societal expectations and reduce stress. So how can you identify your anxiety triggers as a teenager? Identifying your anxiety triggers can be challenging as many factors can contribute to anxiety and it can be difficult to pinpoint the specific cause of your feelings. However, The undertaking is well worth the effort because understanding your triggers can be very helpful in managing your emotional challenges and reducing their impact on your life. So keep a journal or log of your anxiety episodes. One way to identify your anxiety triggers is to keep a journal or log of your anxiety episodes. You can record the date, the time and any specific details of that anxiety attack, such as what you were doing, where you were and how you felt. It is also helpful to include any thoughts or beliefs that may have contributed to that anxiety. And over time, patterns may emerge that can help you identify specific triggers. Paying attention to your physical and emotional responses to anxiety-provoking situations can also be eye-opening. Do specific environments or activities tend to make you feel more anxious than others? For example, do you tend to feel more anxious when faced with uncertainty or when you have to make crucial decisions? Do you feel more anxious when you're under a lot of stress or when you're facing challenges? Understanding these types of situations can help you be more prepared to manage your anxiety when they arise. By paying attention to these patterns, you may be able to identify specific triggers for your anxiety. And another way to identify your anxiety triggers is to talk to a therapist or a trusted adult about your feelings. A therapist can help you explore the underlying causes of your anxiety and work with you to develop strategies for managing your symptoms. You may also find it helpful to talk to friends or family members about your anxiety and see if they've noticed any patterns or triggers. And overall, identifying your anxiety triggers can be a challenging but nevertheless essential process. By paying attention to your thoughts and feelings and physical responses and seeking support from trusted adults and professionals, you can better understand what causes your anxiety and develop strategies for managing it. A 
popular tool I used was the GAD7 quiz. It might be beneficial to measure where you are at right now. And here is a link to try it for free. It's www.apeacefultomorrow.com forward slash GAD dash seven dash anxiety dash test. This could provide insight into your symptoms and determine whether or not you should seek professional mental health or support. Additionally, discussing quiz results with a therapist may allow for more targeted treatment planning by identifying specific areas of concern to focus in on therapy. However, it's important to note that on an online questionnaire should never replace an official diagnosis from a licensed mental health provider and is only intended to guide users towards seeking appropriate treatment if necessary. Beautiful. So first off, journaling, I think yes. it's a key habit that everyone could benefit from. It's been proven to like decrease anxiety by like double digits. Mm -hmm. uh, in reports so we're putting together a journal ourselves um, a peacefultomorrow.com slash journal I think it is mm -hmm. and yeah just having a journal getting in the habit that's the hardest thing getting in the habit of journaling whenever it is once a week once a day when you have breakfast get your journal out that can just help you calm down and like for example if you're ruminating you have all these thoughts and all these things just getting it out of your head onto a paper and that in itself can be calming because you're like it's there you can see it and then you can pick one thing instead of trying to do a hundred things yeah example. that's such a good point i think as well like one thing i found was i'm not very good at writing things down and so um i actually use an app called one journal um actually is it one journal or one day i think it's one day <laughs> i should know the name and it pings up every day at the end of the day at nine o'clock in the evening and it asks me to just jot down a few simple thoughts about my day and whilst it's not the act of writing which i think is generally a better way of doing things physically writing things down is better yeah there's a there's a science like that actually using the hand movements and the whole yes. is, is actually calming and all this stuff it's and you remember more because you're actually doing the physically doing yeah. it yeah mm -hmm. yeah there's more, more um, brain power involved yeah and i think the art of doing it though is is regardless yes. of that in a way it's like you, as long as yeah. you're able to, to if you're do not thing, doing it yeah like yeah. It, it's nothing <laughs> yeah i agree um but it's a very interesting thing to do because actually you realize as you're doing it um that things come up that you otherwise haven't really expressed necessarily like sometimes you write something down and you're like oh that's really intriguing that i thought about that and you know and you can look back on that and you're creating the space though because during the day or maybe something happens that's like not so good or is good whatever the it can be good or bad experience but you're creating the day to actually go through it and observe how that made you feel and acknowledge that and either yes. enjoy or just just have awareness there that oh that wasn't so good i'm not going to do that again or that person pissed me off whatever yeah. the case is and you're actually acknowledging that and that's like bringing that awareness more into your life 100%. I'll read this conclusion quickly just to kind of summarize what we've yes. discussed in this whole chapter because I believe we're at the end of this chapter which is, which is awesome. Marvelous. I think we've covered loads. Yeah. So in conclusion, chapter one delves into various anxiety triggers that teenagers may encounter and highlights the importance of identifying and addressing these triggers. By utilizing practical exercises and skills, teenagers can effectively manage anxiety and improve their well-being. Cooperation between teenagers, parents, teachers, and mental health professionals is crucial in providing a supportive environment, ultimately empowering adolescents to handle their emotions, 
build resilience, and lead a more fulfilling life. Okay. That is it for chapter one, ladies and gentlemen. Well done. That took me. A, that took us a lot longer than I expected. <laughs> me too. I did too. But I think it's good that we've taken the time to kind of cover it in the depth that we have. Yes. Because I think, like almost like providing relatable examples and discussing it, I think is just more interesting. It really brings things into perspective and makes things more relatable in a way. Yes, a hundred percent. I think that's yeah, just more interesting in general. So yeah, well. Thank you everyone for following along. If you do have any questions about teen anxiety, you can put them in the chat or reach out to uh, A Peaceful Tomorrow and we can um, help answer them for you or find someone that can. If you need or want a book, if you haven't got it yet, so you can follow along. We've both got our copies, hard copies, beautiful. I prefer physical copies. It's just so much nicer to actually read something and touch it and in all this digital stuff so you can go to understandingteenanxiety.com and get your copy today and until next time guys have a wonderful day have a great day guys see you soon